Hi guys, thank you so much for coming back to my podcast. <laughs> um, I see that I have more listeners, so thank you so much to all of you who are joining me and listening in and being a part of my journey. I really appreciate it and I hope you enjoy this episode. I'll see you inside. Hi guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of my podcast. I hope that this is incredibly beneficial because these are the top 10 things that I would recommend to you as a brand new teacher in any district at any time. They're just very general suggestions that will create a much more efficient, at least beginning of the year. So listen up, take some notes, and just go to the store remembering what I said because it really is going to help you. The first thing that I'm going to give you for a tip is to get a planner right away because when you start that job, there are going to be so many dates tossed at you. I mean, every single month is packed with things for you to do by dates and deadlines. The biggest thing that's going to happen with the dates is a document, whether it's virtual, not virtual, but whether it's online or handed to you, there's going to be a document the first initial day that you start work. And that document is going to include all the dates from September to June that are very much set in stone. Now, there are the rare occasions where throughout the year, some of those dates might change and things might be extended. But for the most part, It's going to be called a guidance calendar and that guidance calendar is your actual guide to the rest of the school year for dates when things are due and so forth. So that's the first thing. Get that planner. And by the way, there is a planner out there. Well, there's probably more than one planner, but I found my own personal planner in Walmart and Walmart has a planner that they start in June. Um, no, I'm sorry. They start in September and goes all the way to June for a regular type of planner. And then July and August are just shorter. Um, well, the amount of pages they give you is less for that because it's really kind of a teacher planner in a way. Although it's not labeled that, so it's not expensive. If you go out and get yourself a quote-unquote teacher planner, those can sometimes be more expensive. But... Um, They do start September to June and then usually those planners have so much info so that you can plan in that planner and, you know, make notes and things like that. But the planner that I have is not like that. It's a traditional just like date calendar kind of a thing and they have where you can put notes and stuff like that. But it doesn't encourage you to write your lesson plans inside of it. So it's smaller and it's more efficient because you don't have all the other noise of writing down lesson plans. That typically is not done on paper and pencil. Usually you're going to have a program where you're going to insert and type up all those lesson plans. So I wouldn't recommend buying a planner that has sections for lesson planning unless that's your jam. If that's your thing, then go ahead and do that and you'll find plenty of those um, just anywhere at Staples, on Amazon. You can find, God, you can find anything on Amazon. But anyway, so 
First tip, get a planner. Second tip is when you get, you know, your schedule or whatever, I would suggest, you know, making sure that you have just the general things that you would need for that subject area or topic. That information you're going to find from the curriculum. So, I would suggest browsing through the curriculum and seeing what the kind of requirements are that the school wants or your department wants for teaching whatever you're doing. So if you're teaching elementary, I don't have a ton of experience on that, but I know that there are still curriculums for that. So you're going to look into the elementary curriculum. If you're teaching middle and high school where you're really departmentalized, then there's going to be a curriculum for that specific course and you are going to have to look through that not through every single page. Do not drown in curriculum. Look at the curriculum. Look for the materials. I think that's the biggest thing. So go down to wherever it says materials and find out what they expect you to teach. What are the novels and all that? And right where it says the materials, like somewhere near that, It should say activities, so that'll give you some ideas on activities that you might want to do. And then it will be your guide to the rest of your year. Depending on how long you want to teach everything, they also have some that have like timestamp, not timestamps, they have time ranges. So it could be four weeks on this novel or this unit. You might not spend all those four weeks on that and then you might spend more time on something else. Or sometimes time gets away from you because you have all these amazing ideas and you're like, oh my god, I can spend extra time diving into this detail of whatever, of the book or what have you. And then you end up wasting time, really, and you need to get through certain things by, let's say, December and then certain things by June. So you don't want to go to that extreme either. You want to make sure that it is a happy medium so that when you have, you know, I guess reviews and when you have deadlines to meet and things like that, you want to make sure that you're right on target with the rest of that, either that department or that grade level, depending again on what you're teaching. So make sure that you are following a timeline that's going to lead you to success in that way. All right, so step one was the planner. Step two was the curriculum. Step three, or tip number three, I should say, is pretty basic, but often overlooked, I've noticed. Okay, I have been working in the education field for some time, and I noticed that there are new teachers who do not have I guess, just the basics, which are really just to get your supplies because, yes, you can get them at the school. So don't go, you know, spending too much crazy money um, on supplies. But there are districts I know that don't really give anything to their teachers to start. And I think that in those districts, of course, you have to go and buy your own supplies. But at the same time, You don't want to just get every single thing that you see that's teacher stuff because you don't exactly know what you're going to want to actually use, right? So 
there was one school where not every classroom had a whiteboard, but the new teachers came in with, you know, a ton of whiteboard markers and none of the classes that they had contained a whiteboard. (laughs) So they ended up kind of just giving some of them away or putting them in other classes and uh, having to borrow or buy chalk, which, okay, great, but then they spent all this money on things that they didn't need to use and they were ending up giving them away. Then there are also some teachers that they download software that they're like, oh, well, of course, I did my student teaching in this school and the standard must be that. And the school had blank software. So they go, they download the software. Sometimes they purchase software um, because they want it to be compatible with that and they want to be able to use it with that. And then they come into their first year of teaching at a school that doesn't use that software. And sometimes it's even prohibited in a large way. So, oh boy, like you just bought something that can never be used. So sorry you wasted your money on that, you know? It's just, that's the way it is. Like not every school has a standard of programs or a standard of how to use the internet or how to use the phones There was one school that I worked at that was forbidden to use like any kind of technology that was personal. They were not allowed to use their phones or anything else. They weren't allowed to bring in their own laptops or iPads or anything. But we had computers and then those computers were heavily monitored. So the programs that, you know, we wanted to use were not even allowed to be used by the students. So the teachers had certain access while the students did not. And there were teachers, brand new teachers, that spent money on, let's say, a subscription to a program that they thought would be incredibly beneficial to their um, classroom. And then they could use it and demonstrate it and everything was great and they had the lesson all planned out and no printouts and paper free. But then when the kids logged on to their computers, they didn't have access. And when she asked to see if they could get access... The person who was in charge of that said, absolutely not, because I was told to ban that from the student's ability to use it. They are not allowed to have it, and I'm not going to make an exception because I was told this is not a program for students to be able to use. So she ba- like paid for a monthly subscription for a year and was never allowed to be able to use it. Um, She did some screenshots and printed things out, but it just became such a pain that she gave up on it and she wasted that money on a program that wasn't allowed to be used. So there is tip number three. Do not waste your money on programs um, or any really anything that you don't know if it can or cannot be used in your school district or in your classroom. It might not be compatible or it might just be prohibited to be used. And they are innocent things that sound like it would be amazing. Find out first from your supervisor if you are allowed to use that or if they already have a subscription because that's another thing too. Sometimes the school will already have a professional pro subscription to something and you just paid for your own personal one. So... Don't waste your money. Think about what you want to have. Make a list of it in the planner that I suggested that you have 
And then um, when you have a chance, go in and ask another colleague or ask your supervisor directly if this is something that they have, offer, or are allowed to use, and then figure it out from there. You'll be fine. I suggest that your first, well, here's tip number four. I suggest that your first maybe month of lesson plans is something that you can do without the use of technology. Now, this might sound like a little bit of a stretch for you all, but there are schools that do not have one-to-one computers and one-to-one iPads, and it's not the heaven of the industry. You know what I mean? Like right now I'm working with a school that has an amazing one-to-one program because they got a a, uh, grant for it. So everybody's got one-to-one computers all the way from sixth grade, I think it is, all the way to 12th grade. Um, The students from K to five, they have one-to-ones, but they have to leave them at the school. The other students are allowed to have them, take them home, bring them back as well, and they get the charger and a case with it. And then when they graduate or before, right before they graduate, they have to turn in the computer and the computers kind of get recycled. So that is an awesome program. But I have also worked in a district that does not have one-to-one computers. They have computer carts. You have to make sure to pre-plan so the computer carts in your room at the certain time and all of that. Then the internet's an issue because not everybody can get on at the same time and on and on and on. Well, make sure you have no issue at all with what you're doing because you want to make sure these plans are pretty seamless in terms of being able to access things. So I suggest printing things out. Um, If you do have, if you are at a school that has one-to-one access, if a student forgets their computer, then have an extra charger or have a paper version so that they can be doing something while you are teaching because otherwise somebody's going to walk in on you and they're going to see that you're not doing anything with that child and they're just sitting there losing or wasting time not being instructed and not being able to complete the activity. That's a hard no and a hard L that you're going to take. And then it's just going to stick out. Like, how could she not know that they needed to do something? So you don't want to be stuck in that situation. So I suggest that even if you have a school with access to technology, you make sure to have printed copies or versions of those things in order to make sure that everybody has something to do at all times. So that's a suggestion for you to consider. And then another tip, I mean, I can go on and on, but anyway, tip number five is to make sure that when you get that position, when you get that job and that career started, learn who you can contact for trusted advice, first of all, Now, you always get assigned a mentor, but sometimes that mentor, despite the name of the role that they have, is going to just help you on the surface. I have had, and I know of, so many mentors that they're introduced to you and then they say, hey, I have all this time to help you and we're going to meet once a month and we're going to talk and we're going to do this, that, and the other thing, right? And then what happens? Yeah, they meet the minimum requirements of a mentor, but 
big caveat, they don't really have a lot of time to dive into the things that you're concerned about or worried about or need help with. There are so many mentors that I've met and that I've had myself who say, hey, I'm here to help you. I was assigned to be your mentor. Then at the end of the year, they're like, hey, give me that check for X amount of money because I was your official mentor and you're supposed to pay them on top of it. Then between that time, they don't give you much help at all. They have to get home to their kids and their family or they just want to run out of the school and get on with their lives. And if you need help, they're like, yeah, um, I got to go. And today, you know, I have to pick up the kids because my husband, he's running late. And then also, I'm also part of this club in the school. And so I have to go to another building to like man a lesson or I don't know, demonstrate something or meet with people. And you're like, um, okay, because I really needed help with this one thing, or I really wanted to, like, get copies for this lesson, or something, like, suggestions, anything at all. Yeah, no, sorry. Uh, You know what? You're gonna be fine. You're gonna be just fine. I mean, yeah, you really are gonna be fine. And meanwhile, they're walking out the the door with their bag and their keys, and, like, yeah, yeah, you're gonna be fine. Like, I'll see you tomorrow or next week. Have a great weekend, whatever. And you're, like, what the fuck? Like, what is happening right now? I need your help. And you're panicky. Like, I remember my first year, I was just like, oh my god, if I don't get this exactly right, they're gonna walk in exactly when I don't know what I'm doing, and they're gonna judge me, and all the other stuff. It's like, holy cow, what am I gonna do? And they're like, you're fine. Bye. And they just walk out. So, it's just too many times. Like, that has happened too many times in my personal experience, and to other colleagues that I know have been mentored, mentored or mentees. And they too have had that experience where the mentor is just like very, very superficial, only meets when they have to for the amount of time that they have to. That's it. You either get that or you get the one that like meets with you that once a month. And they're so jaded that they just go on and on and on about how horrible like everybody is at the school except for them except for them and now except for you too because you're new and so you don't know enough to be horrible and you're with them like they're on your side so you're not horrible because they're on your side so anyway those are the kinds of mentors you're gonna get and these are the five tips that I suggest for brandy new teachers who at this point you know they should kind of pick up those things and I suggest getting the first let me think I think I kind of did them in order. So yeah, the first thing would definitely be the planner. So you can get started jotting down all the dates and stuff like that. Um, And then the rest will just kind of fall into place. For lesson planning, I guess this is tip, bonus tip number six, is that for lesson planning, I would suggest getting a desk planner. And I can go into more of that on another episode. But yeah, that is one of the things that I recommend for lesson planning for weeks at a time. I mean, weeks. It is so, so, so helpful and beneficial. Anyway, um, this episode is definitely necessary for you if you are a new teacher or going to a new district, but I think you're going to be just fine. And if you need anything else, please let me know, comment, or um, follow me on Instagram and ask me questions through my DMs if you want to. But let me think. 
yeah, I think we're good to go. All right, guys, have a wonderful teaching experience. I will see you in the next episode. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and I'll see you next time. If you need to get in touch with me before then or would like to suggest anything for the next episode, please contact me at conquerteaching.com or my email is hello at conquerteaching. You can also reach me at conquerteaching through Instagram. Thank you so much. I will see you next time.